Welcome to the Novice Elitist Arcade. Help me, Leon! Wait here. Leon! Featuring a revolving roster of hosts. It's no use! Covering all live-action film adaptations of video games. Enter if you dare. So, one way or another, we're all familiar with the Silent Hill franchise. I can legitimately say that while most people who are lifelong fans of the series have probably gotten their their start with this series from its more acclaimed work, such as Silent Hill 2, the original game itself, or Silent Hill 3, or, you know, insert classic game here and and all the reverence it deserves. I actually got my start with this franchise from probably the worst example of it that exists. <laughs> Being, of Ooh. course, the sequel to this movie, Silent Hill Revelations. Oh, damn, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all we all kind of wish we would forget about that. But, you know, Silent Hill, as kind of bad as it was, it was also just kind of like, I could see that I could see what was good about it. You know, I, I liked the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I liked the atmosphere, the designs. It was really cool. And so naturally, the next step, because, I mean, trying to find the original games is like looking for a freaking needle in a haystack nowadays. And, and even once again, trying to find a console you can actually play the damn things on is the same. <laughs> um, naturally, the next logical step was this movie, the one we're discussing tonight, Silent Hill 1. And I have seen this movie a total of four times, and I have a lot of thoughts on it, good and bad. I think I think for the most part, I do like this movie. I, I, I actually I actually really like this movie. It has flaws, but I still I still can appreciate what they were trying to do, even though it divides a lot of fans to this day. That's my experience, but anyways. Yeah, and Isaac, I'm curious about you. What well, what's your experience with Silent Hill, the franchise, and this this film here? Well, call me a broken record, but because of uh, cultural osmosis by the internet, uh, similar to Johnny, I've never uh, gone out to play Silent Hill. But if you are a user on the internet, or if you frequent the internets every now and then. You will uh, come across a circle of people or, or somewhere where they will mention Silent and Hill in the same sentence. And thus, that is uh, my story of I know what the Silent Hill franchise is. Uh, I know that its creators or the parent company does not seem to give a rip about it. And uh, I know that it's a counterpart to uh, its, well, it's well, I guess, sister company or sister franchise of Resident Evil. Uh, whereas that deals with uh, zombie apocalypse, this deals with psychological horror. Well, I, I just want to clarify very quickly on one thing I might have misconstrued in my in my introduction. Um, I have actually played quite a few Silent Hill games at this point. As more more mean to say that, that the movies were more my intro to the franchise, and then later I would seek out the games and play them on usually poorly ported remasters, which, which we, 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 we can talk about in a bit here. <laughs> and I also yeah. want to clarify that <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't really consider Resident Evil, I guess, in, in terms of time period, sister series. But yes. I, I look at these series as typically as one of them is intelligent, one is not. No offense. <laughs> Correct. No, I, I also just meant with like, I should have also preferenced <laughs> survival horror. Uh, okay, yes, way. yes, absolutely. You're, you're right there. I misspoke about that. So uh, I knew from this man, I knew from Johnny that there were Silent Hill movies uh, and I knew that the second one is the more infamous one, but he, I don't remember you ever telling me about the first Silent Hill and it being actually like decent. Well, that's, that's interesting because I do. I mean, I haven't watched this movie in 
in a few years now, but I, I've seen it. I've I've seen it a lot. I've seen this movie for at least four times, right? So, but I do think there's a lot here to discuss. So, and yeah, Revelations. I've only admittedly seen Revelations once. Maybe I'll like it more or less when I see it again. Because um, now I've now that I've played Silent Hill three, which is what's apparently loose, which was no, it's it's loosely based on. Much like much like this film is loosely based on Silent Hill one, although I would argue that there are some thematic thematic synchronicity with Silent Hill three as well. Due to one detail, that's very important that that was changed from the game. But yeah, just ca- case in point, um, I'm surprised I haven't brought this up with you, Isaac. Like we talk about video game movies, or at least tease the topic quite a bit. So I would have thought, of, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't brought this up around you because I yeah I've got a lot to say on this movie. Well, it's good. We're about to talk about it, uh, so I'm excited yeah. for that. However, we have a third person that we need to ask. <laughs> Caleb, what's your history with the Silent Hill franchise overall? Video games, movies, comics, and or other time oh. media. Oh. I think there's a comic based off of Silent Hill. Shit, probably. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what I uh, experienced first. Um, either this movie or Silent Hill 4, The Room. Oh, I'm not sure which one came first for me, but I definitely saw this movie a lot when I was a teenager. I got this. I picked up the DVD from Blockbuster back in 2007, and yeah, I was if I wasn't super pulled in by the game if if I was playing it at that time, this definitely attracted me to the franchise. But like Johnny mentioned, yeah, it was it was hard to get games for it. 4 was really the only one I could find for years. And then, yeah, those remasters came out and, uh, you know, I, I played most of two, but yeah, they were, they took some adjustment. So I did the, the opposite. I played through most of three actually. Hmm. And then because two, uh, yeah, we, we might as well talk about the remasters a bit now because that would sure. lead into a bit of a, how, uh, the differences with the games, in particular, and most notably, how most people do not know how to handle this franchise. Mm. Uh, arguably, the only ones who knew who knew who really knew how are Kojima, and to to an extent, and this is a shot, and this is a bit of a statement. This movie. So, mm. so in Silent Hill: The HD Collection, which was I think 2012, 2013, one of you can check that if you want. Um. Yeah, was there, in case those who don't know, was a remaster of Silent Hill 2 and Silent Hill 3. And now naturally, because once again, these games are hard to get a hold of in the original forms, and not many of us own an original Xbox anymore, or maybe a few PS2s kicking around, um, that was the probably the easiest way to get a hold of them at that, at that point in time. But the remasters were handled by... Well, it, it was a hack job. Like There was no one company who did it. There, was, there were like four... And a lot of them primarily worked on iPhone games. Oh, wow. So oh, no. <laughs> you can, you can kind of see the first mistake. And especially the reason I actually played Silent Hill 3 over Silent Hill 2 is because I started playing 2 first. Cause of course, you know, Silent Hill 2 is the one that gets all the all the reverence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing about Silent Hill, especially in the town itself, is the fog. The fog is so synonymous with the franchise and the remastering absolutely slaughtered it. Like, like whereas before it would, and I played the original now, I actually did track a copy of it down. Whereas oh. before you would, you would just be kind of in a sea of just white. You couldn't see a damn thing. Now it was like the fog was stopped. Was like, there was a six foot orb around you that stopped it and just completely took 
all the immersion out of the front out of the game there is fog in silent hill 3 but it doesn't happen and you don't see it until like two-thirds or three-quarters through the game so it didn't really ruin the first half of the game for me yeah i definitely the fog thing is is kind of annoying in that game yeah and i every now and again i try the new voices versus the old and yeah i find that a little bit jarring too for i don't know it just seems weird <laughs> yeah so not the most well received of of things <laughs> that, uh, that that remaster <laughs> but for a long time that was and that probably still is the most readily available and accessible unless you're going to do the whole you know um like like mod your consoles or stuff that's probably the most emulation emulate thank you emulation that's probably the most widely available copy of the games unfortunately yep but that'll probably be changing relatively soon because there's that new remaster coming out i think that'll probably blow those other ones out of the water agreed i think it's just for sound hill 2 well no caleb it's like resident evil it's a remake remake Mm, there you go so that'll be divisive amongst fans if they want that jankiness from two because it could turn into like a third person well it was always third person but it could look something more akin to resident evil 2 remake yeah which i wouldn't mind i'm not a huge fan of the controls and games from that era and yeah i find yes not a fan of tank controls (laughs) yeah i I still find it jarring anytime i go back to any of them so Mm -hmm. uh by the way i believe at least according to wikipedia you were asking the release date of the silent hill hd collection that was march 20th 2012 for north america okay it was 2012 okay good um yeah absolutely controls weren't the series strong point but um what I wanted to start with that is more just talking about how, of course, after it was either the room or origins um, control of the franchise switched hands. Mm. And then, and then we got homecoming and we got downpour and we got shattered memories and just kind of, well, the things got played around a little bit. So there were some competent things. There were some incompetent things, but overall it kind of strayed from the, what made the original series so great with only a glimpse of it with, with when, when PT came out, if you guys remember, remember that I do. I remember when that came out. Yeah. That was kind of more, more in the style of, and then there was that excellent project that had Kojima with Del Toro and Norman Reedus that got canceled right away. So, Oh yes. <laughs> Which I believe was PT. Oh, was it PT? Yeah. PT was the big like dream project between Del Toro, Kojima and Reedus. Oh fuck. Well, and that was put on, yeah, it was 2015, and it was a, pl- literally it was called Playable Trailer, I believe, is what, like, it stood for. And at the end it was revealed, oh, it's Silent Hill, by these three masterclass people. And oh. um, I believe there were some people, if, if, the, if my memory serves me correctly, that had downloaded the game, and it was going to go off uh, the PlayStation Store, and they somehow, the, these users modded it into their ps4 and then they would sell it on ebay for absorbent amount of prices so mm-hmm. their console would only have like the playable trailer in there so wow they're probably still out there today but yeah you can no longer find a copy of pt unless you probably like hack into konami's codes or or, or central servers oh, oh my god you just wow that's sad i can't believe you just say konami code <laughs> i had to slip it in there somehow which i don't know if that was an actual thing in the game itself i don't know if you could put in the konami code and you'd get something couldn't tell you um but anyway let's should we, should we discuss the the movie at hand here 
Absolutely. Caleb, do you, do you have any behind the scenes of this film before we get into it? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have, since I had work today, I didn't have as much time to prep like I usually do. Fair enough. Johnny, any, uh, any ideas or do you know any of the history behind this film? Well, yeah, I, I remember watching the, uh, the, the making of, cause of course I was a huge fan of it at that point in time. Um, but basically Christopher Gans and his, his buddy basically got a hold of a copy of the original Silent Hill and they were just kind of like, or, or his buddy was just like, Hey man, there's this game. We should try it. It's, it's terrifying. He's like a video game. Terrifying. <laughs> really? And he's kind of like, yeah, ch- check it out. And say, so check it out. And there was like, Holy yeah, this, this game is freaking terrifying. This is, this is, this is some crazy shit. And they decide to adapt the first, the first game into a movie with one pretty significant change that always causes a lot of questions to be asked. Yeah, does that does that tie into the end of the movie? Or the the big revelations? Um, not so. Y- 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 it ties into the theme, actually. Yes. Yeah. So his mm. his Christopher Gans actually his interpretation was he read the script of the original. He was looking. In case anyone doesn't know, the original the original game, the main protagonist's name was Harry Mason. Who's looking for his daughter Sharon Mason? Who would? No, no, sorry, Sharon Heather Mason. I, I can't recall. There was a there was something that, there was something about that. Um, he's looking for her in Silent Hill. And Gans read the script and he instead interpreted it as, you know, it'd be more fitting if Harry was a woman. Hmm. So then that's why beca- that's why it became Rose as the main character versus Harry in the film adaptation, which would then support and much of Silent Hill too. And and this is more of a a bit more of a deep cut knowledge about this franchise is that is that everything in Silent Hill is extremely symbolic. Every creature is symbolic of something, some emotion, some feeling, some some nightmare, some traumatic experience. And so and so of course like with with the mother symbolism, they could take a different angle with then from the original game. Mm. Although keeping keeping a lot of the, from what I understand a lot of the storyline, they definitely changed some of the themes. Uh, of course, one of the biggest themes being being motherhood, which makes sense, and it was a and it's it's a creative creative angle, but it's it was a good try, absolutely, and there was a lot of love put into it. There are some flaws that we we can get to that as we go. So let's let's maybe just start from the beginning with this one. Yeah, like the uh, like the first scene with was it Sharon or is it what what's the yeah it's Sharon it's Sharon it's Sharon yes yes sleepwalking and then. Yes, her parents having to chase her down and screaming about Silent Hill with that giant cross, giant illuminated cross right there, which I like that little bit of framing. Oh yeah, that entire thing where she she looks down the pit and then she sees it at the, and then she looks like looks down into the burning mine and the alter ego of herself looking up at her. Yeah, right. Very creepy initial image there. Very good opening. My only and this is where I'm actually my first gripe with the movie comes in <laughs> right off the <laughs> bat. I admit, as much as I like this movie. Um, is Sharon then starts screaming Silent Hill multiple times. And that always sounded cheesy as hell. Yes, I agree. To me and, and just kind of too easy and just, well, I, and I, I mean, I get it. Like you want to get them to the town so you can start doing stuff in the town. I get it. See? But it was still like, you know, maybe in like a drawing in a room or something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems really a really weird thing for someone to be screaming. You know, yeah. it, it sounded weird when I first heard it. It still sounds weird thinking about it now. Yeah, I think it's partially delivery too. Uh, this, this little kid actress, I think she does a lot of really great stuff here. She does. 
but every now and again she'll have yeah kind of awkward deliveries and yeah i think that's a little bit of a bad start for her there she has the rest of the movie to to show her stuff though admittedly yeah and i will say uh oh just briefly on her yeah she's a bc local from uh, nanaimo what the fudge yeah and she used to pop up all over the place in in random little horror movies and weird stuff she's fantastic in this uh, terry gilliam movie called tideland this really weird kind of dark fantasy drug movie it was made like year before this too so she's like a little kid she's the lead character in this this crazy movie i mean this was filmed in ontario so yeah she was in a lot of stuff around this time like i remember case 39 i think that was her yeah yeah that was her was it her an orphan too? Like she was in a lot of movies around this time because she did, she did a really good job for the most part. Yeah. And just for a self plug, uh, me and her, we both uh, were part of the same club. We both were featured in the hit series, uh, RL Stein's the haunting hour. No, really. That's from back in 2011. Yeah, that's really she, cool. Uh, and not the what? same episode, but, uh, yeah, we were both, uh, as stars in that program. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You mean as extras? <laughs> No, she was, yes, she was a, a star in the episode and I was an extra, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's actually a pretty cool plug. <laughs> um, I just so, figured I'd throw that out there. It's <laughs> funny. So, anyway, as per as per Sharon's nightmares, they then decide, Rose, the, the wife and her husband Christopher, played by Sean Bean, who, spoiler alert, actually doesn't die in this movie. Yeah, color me shocked. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> they got Sean Bean. They, they should, he's not really known for longevity. <laughs> Well, except for him actually like living. Yes, sure. But so anyway, they <laughs> shut up, Isaac. Um. <laughs> so anyway, um, they get to at this point, they decide, okay, well, what's what's the deal with Silent Hill? And they had to an abandoned abandoned town from the seventies after a massive a massive coal fire that destroyed the town. And they and they Rose decides to take Sharon on a trip to find out what the what the hell is going on. Kind of random, but. Okay, fair enough. That's how a lot of the games start. Some schmuck ends up in Silent Hill and just has to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's decent enough. And there's a little bit of setup along the way of random townspeople being like, "Oh, you're going to, to Silent Hill? That's yeah, maybe you shouldn't go there." Like uh, then that weird cop interaction at the gas station. I think it sets a good mood. It it does, and that as much as I find, I think that cop interaction kind of didn't make a lot of sense to me because like she just she just kind of singles out and just starts kind of walking around the car just because she, she thinks that Rose is acting a little bit, a a little bit odd. And then she tries to pull her over later for no explainable reason. Well, she's got her, she's got her like paranoia about that, that kid from before that she saved, I guess some, I don't know if it was the, the kid's dad or just a random kidnapper. Right. Yes. Threw him down a, I think it was like a pipe or something like that. So she's got her paranoia, but it does seem like, yeah, maybe she's a little extra paranoid. A little bit. And also, and also shout out to Lori Holden, who would, who would also be a, who would also star in The Walking Dead for more than three seasons. Oh yes. And The Mist. Yeah. The, this yeah. and The Mist are the two things I always knew her from. Oh, she, she, she liked her foggy movies around this time, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. She liked uh, terrifying fog monsters for a bit. <laughs> Except she wasn't in the fog remake. So, oh well. Isn't that kind of funny? Oh boy. Save that for one day. Oh dear. As much as I never want to talk about that movie, like ever, <laughs> I kind of want to talk about that movie. Yeah, we're going to talk about it at some point. <laughs> okay. Good excuse to rewatch it. I haven't seen it since around the time I saw this for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then at this point, they 
during the, the the chase with the police officer, they end up crashing through a fence and they end up in in Silent Hill. And Sharon is gone. Yeah. It's a great creepy opening, which is yeah, the mom waking up and getting our first introduction to Silent Hill is yeah, just completely covered in that that mist or or fog. As it should be. Yeah, and it looks gorgeous. That was always one of the things that drew me to this movie. It's just how incredible it looks. Yes, that was that that that's one of my key points for one of my biggest reasons for liking this film is just the they nailed the atmosphere, they nailed the imagery, they nailed the the creatures. Even if it, like they, they there was a lot of a lot of love put into that. You could tell they they really wanted to just absolutely completely completely nail that. And you, yeah. and, they, and they did. It just brings you there, and you don't know what the hell is going on, but you know it's pretty awesome and a bit terrifying. Yeah, and with this little, this little opening here, where they also do a great job uh, showing off the the Jeep Liberty, a lot of shots just framed right from the Jeep logo, and yeah, there's some nice product placement there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a whole a lot of Liberty it's gotten in Silent Hill, right? <laughs> yeah, which by the way, I had a Jeep Liberty for a year, and that car gave me nothing but trouble. <laughs> Hated that thing. <laughs> it is a Jeep after all. Yeah. <laughs> So I was having some flashbacks looking at the interior. I was like, oh, my God, I, I think I had around the same model, maybe a year or two older. That's funny. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, yeah, as Rose walks around the town, it's kind of creepy. And there's some, you know, it's fog, low visibility. And then all of a sudden, this air raid siren goes off mm. and things take a turn for the uh, nightmare land. <laughs> and I'm curious before we get to that. Mm. I'm curious what Isaac was thinking about the movie up to this point. Sure. Coming into it for the first time. Mm-hmm. It- does a really good job of building suspense and atmosphere. I agree with you, Johnny. This was not made to make a dollar or a quick buck. This is like, this is a well thought out movie. And uh, I think it is really good that they took some iconography from the game and try to make it as give, gave it their honest effort to like, you know, make it come to life, which I, which I really did enjoy. Um, Caleb, what'd you think of the CGI? Uh, up front i want to know what your thoughts are on like the 2006 cgi well maybe i'll hold off on that until we get to some of the the more yeah creaturey stuff because we haven't quite seen that yet fair enough fair enough yeah okay i have some background info on that too but i'll say uh, one of the things i think is great about this movie that most video game movies don't have is it does have the look and feel of video game but still has a engaging story and good performances so many video game movies it feels like yeah, maybe they were just studio hack jobs and they're like, okay, take a couple bits of iconography from the game and then just slap together the rest of the movie and maybe that'll sell it. Yeah, you could really tell the affection that this filmmaker had. Or at the very worst, they just make a completely different thing but just add the names from the games. 100%. 100%. Cough, cough, Resident Evil, cough, cough. Or the infamous Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, yes. That's yeah one of the worst examples. Or I just recently watched Far Cry. Which we'll get to one day. Oh boy. There's a Far Cry movie? There is a, yeah, from 2008, a Far Cry movie. Huh. In name only. Another one of those, but. Oh, lovely. But we'll get there. <laughs> so yeah, we realize, so at this point we, <laughs> things turn a bit nightmarish and we see a lot of, we, we see a lot of cool creatures here that are synonymous with the franchise's name. Like we see the, the children and we see, of course, Probably the the centerpiece creature of the entire franchise, Pyramid Head. Yeah, played by Greg Nicotero himself, I believe. Oh wow, that's interesting, huh? So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he was 
he was actually working on this movie, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But even before we get to the creatures, I love just the transition of it goes all dark. And then when it comes back, the color tone is completely changed. It's all this kind of like rusted look and there's no more mist and you can finally see everything clearly. And maybe you don't want to, I think that's great. Yeah, definitely. And it just, it's very, it's very cool because very much in the games, when that happens to you, you don't know what the hell is going on. Mm. <laughs> and all of a sudden things are a lot, things are terrifying. It, it goes from being kind of subdued and just, cl- and just kind of, um, you know, uh, just kind of quiet and, and just kind of melancholy. And it turns into something loud and bright and terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's really, really well realized here. Everything from the sounds to, to like everything about the transitions, they just absolutely nailed it. Yeah, and there's this scene where she comes across. It's right before we see the the CGI burned up kids. She sees this, uh, I guess, one of the townspeople, and he's strung up in like a, a Christ pose, except the bottom of his body's torn out. Uh, sorry, I gotta cut myself really quickly. It was Roberto Campanella was Pyramid Head, not Greg. I'm mixing up makeup, like makeup guys, but he was actually oh. the guy who who is the movement coordinator for a lot of the creatures. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Sorry. But but yes, the uh, the the guy who is the guy strung up on the fence wearing the gas mask. Yeah, and you see his red eyes in there just staring at her. And that was always an image that stuck with me when I was watching this when I was younger. Also straight out of the game. Mm. Oh, okay, that's cool. A lot of this sequence is actually straight out of the game with like the, the, the weird children thing appear to you at this point. Yeah, and I do think that the CGI... Um, hasn't held up the best, but I think it's still works for the mood of this movie pretty well. Yes. It's also important to note that, um, R- uh, Roberto actually was, th- they actually tried to really get the actors to, to nail down, not just, um, the costumes of the creatures, but how they actually moved. Mm. And, and the, 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 they had a guy directing the movement just so they could nail it completely. And he played pyramid head and he played Colin who we see, who we see in a just just a little bit here. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of the CGI, like it was I like how they did it, where it was they had costumes and they kind of used CGI as polish rather than relying on CGI. So things feel a, little, a lot more substantial. Yeah, I could see that. I, I think that's a kind of better way to go about with CGI. Like you kind of shouldn't rely on it, but it can it can be used for really good touch ups. Yeah. What were you thinking about some of that stuff, Isaac, especially when we're seeing these these fiery kids at first and yeah, they're kind of setting up the mystery more? Yeah, obviously in my mind, I was like, okay, what I know about Silent Hill before looking anything else up is that it's very much a psychological horror game. Correct. So not all the stuff needs to be here. It's not so much like important to the plot, but it's all about symbolism. I went back to, I didn't, I didn't have what I had when I watched uh, Angel's Egg where I thought the logical part of my brain, uh, the philosophical part of my brain and the emotional part of my brain. I was obviously scared. I was thinking, what, what does this like? You know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm terrified. I'm, I'm afraid. And then I noticed, wow. like, it, then there was a logical part of me of just like, okay, well, so there's that alarm siren, and then um, they show up, and then eventually they, like, the, the, the timer runs out, and they like leave somehow, and then like, you know, Rose is alive, thankfully, or else this movie would have been over quickly, or then maybe Sean Bean would have like come to Silent Hill instead, which he is <laughs> currently trying to do, anyways. But yeah, I, I, was, I, I couldn't think of what the symbolism meant. I guess that's like the symbolism could mean if it's if we're looking at it like from a mother's perspective, it's, you know, unborn babies died in miscarriages or died of like, uh, what is that thing? 
um, crib crib birth or no crib disease or whatever that is, where the child only dies like 18 days after the they're in a in their like they're born. Hmm. I was just thinking of like that's just stuff off the top of my head. Interesting. That's a, that's a that's a good good read. You're you're in the right direction. Just a lot of you're right though. A lot of these movies do symbolize well Silent Hill usually. How it was done, especially in Silent Hill 2, was the creatures symbolized the psychological fears and the psychological condition of James Sunderland. And now in this film, very much, you have a mother looking for her child, and all of a sudden these like screaming, like twisted orphan children show up. It's kind of you can see it, right? Lost children, yeah. some symbolism, and that's and that's an interesting point because now we now we gotta talk about that's one thing this movie does well, but on the other hand, that's something this movie doesn't do well. With, with, with the symbolism mm. is that so why is pyramid head here i was thinking the same thing that's the one that feels like it doesn't quite fit that and those little beetle guys i was uh, like ah these two what are they quite supposed to be here yeah well pyramid head is it, like he he was tied in specifically with james sunderland's story i'm not mm. going to spoil that for anybody but he was he was the big like the the, the big bad in that game for for a very story relevant reason, but in the, his presence here is kind of hard to explain other than, other than it just being fan service. Iconography. Yeah. Yeah. And similarly in Silent Hill revelations, what in the living shit is he doing there? Yes. We'll get to that. We'll get to, we'll get to especially that. that ending. I mean, uh, oh. what is he doing here? Um, so that's where the, 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 the symbolism with the creatures varies between, accurate to this is here because fan service can i ask you something let me let me let me let me ask you a question johnny sure sure would you have been would you have accepted if there was a stand-in for pyramid head but in in a manifestation uh that ties to rose's character so it's pyramid head except it's for rose sure um but i'd be well, that that would be the idea. Was that yep. if you're going to change the character and you're going to change the concept of the story, which which we'll get to in a bit, you kind of need to make all of it fit to the to, like, like like to that protagonist. Adaptations need to be uh, made. And yeah, like the, the once again, the games great examples of all of these. And and this is where a lot of a lot of Western made Silent Hill games kind of stumble to. They include Pyramid Head because Pyramid Head. They include the nurses because the nurses. You know, those are just iconic monsters of the series they've chosen to include, even though they kind of have no real bearing on the story or no relevance to the characters. I saw Pyramid Head and I clapped. Ha ha ha. I'm a CEO. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, at least the nurses tie in well with the, with this movie. They do, actually. They, they have their little piece and their little hell. They do, and they're done very well, but we'll get to that when we do. Yeah. But how about the, the guy who spits out the acid from his chest? He's all tangled up and... I think that looks amazing. It's really well done there. So, so that is a great. I think. I think, actually, a better design than the one and that appeared in Silent Hill Two. It's a lot more bulbous. It's a lot more creepy looking. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, so we're at this point where actually the actually the cop Sybil makes her way into the town as well and tries to arrest Rose for I guess <laughs> losing a child. Yeah, I, 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 I guess that's what the charge Maybe is. Maybe for chasing her, and then. We get our second monster, the lying figure, which is the which is the also the first creature you encounter in Silent Hill too, which is fucking terrifying. Yeah. But yeah, it's a big bulbous thing with no arms that spits acid, and 
It's important to note that that that's actually no CGI. That's a, entirely a costume someone wore. Oh, wow. They did that very well. In the behind the scenes documentary, you actually see the guy like like them assembling it and putting it on putting it on the actor who played that that creature. Oh, that's really cool. But is that one also another one that feels like more of a piece of fan service than really tying in? I, I'm not I'm not quite sure how that relates to I mean, I don't know if I should spoil and, and say who the who more of the monsters are related to rather than just Rose, but I'm not quite sure how that one comes together. Well, that's that's interesting because the original lying figure was well, <laughs> it's important to know that this is not a spoiler. This is how the game begins. Silent Hill 2, where the, where a lot of these creatures are from, because that's like the that's like one of the most most loved games, mm-hmm. has a lot of creatures that have to do well. James Sunderland is trying to find his wife, who he has not seen for a long for a long time. So a lot of these creatures have a bit of a sexual repression angle to them, and I don't even need to explain what the acid spitting is in that regard. I was, okay. I, I knew as soon as you said acid splitting, I'm like, I know exactly like where this is going. Yes, and the the original lying figure actually it wasn't as bulbous, but it had it had arms that were humanoid, but they were almost like forced to be tucked into its waist, so it actually wasn't able to use its arms. To add to that word, you know, it, it's not able to, you know, do stuff. Yeah. And and also it and also its feet resembled like almost like high heels as well. Oh, so I do like I do like the redesign they've given it in this film because it makes it feel separate from that and that symbolism mm-hmm. and that creature. But I still kind of don't know why it's here. Yeah. So I think I think maybe that was one thing they didn't quite understand about the series at the, at the time, and they just kind of went like, "Oh, hey, these monsters are in the games. Let's let's let's, let's put them here." And they did them well. They did they did them very well. It's just their connection to the ser- to the story is not quite as doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, but it's easy to forgive it because they get so much other stuff so well. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I love uh, I love the focus on the maps in this. Like one of the first things Rose does after escaping the arrest is go find a little town map, and she returns to that a couple different times throughout the movie. I think that's a great callback, which is accurate. Yeah totally accurate to the games because you're in a foggy town you, you don't know where shit is <laughs> you need to find a map and find ways to look around and actually map your way through this thing exactly constantly checking it <laughs> true survival horror you know what i mean like, yeah more so than paul ws anderson's resident evil films where there's no maps whatsoever oh <laughs> well there's no th- there's no survival or horror in those films either nope and to be fair there actually are maps we see them a bunch throughout the movie too they're just those stupid like cgi diagrams of the hive Ah. Uh, oh oh yeah right okay oh right uh, never mind yeah i forgot about that that's a glorified three-dimensional chess set yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're there you know i guess they're there and it's also worth worth noting at this point the movie actually div- splits into two plot lines yes which i think is an interesting wrinkle and i i think it adds a lot of emotion to the movie too that side of it i really like all that stuff yeah where so in explanation being is that um christopher sean bean doesn't hear from Rose for a while. And so he decides to come to the town himself, which he does with, with a policeman named Thomas. But when they get there, it's completely, completely abandoned devoid. There's no fog. There's no creatures. There's no signs of life. It's just a completely abandoned town. And they're actually not supposed to walk around without respirators on mm-hmm. because of the mining disaster and the ashes. Also a cool touch the originals. I can't remember if the original Silent Hill had the ashes as part of it, but I think it's a really cool touch if it did. Yeah, the fire that's been burning for like 30 years. That's cool. I've, I, I love that. That's, that's awesome. But 
So anyway, Christopher is trying to find his wife, and there are scenes where they do end up in the same location of the, of the town at the same time, and they kind of almost sense each other, but they're not able to see each other. And while some people kind of think that those scenes were either not necessary or kind of drawn out, they're 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 pretty well done. Yeah, actually, they're they're they're, they're very well done. Yeah, that's the benefit of having someone like Sean Bean. He can just bring so much emotion to those moments. Mm-hmm. And I love the, the like the color time and contrast between the two, going from this really kind of warm, hot, burning town to that like frozen in a, a place town. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that stuff really gives a really cool contrast. And I like the character of yeah Thomas the cop. There's some interesting stuff with him too as it goes along. Mm-hmm. You know, he ties in. He does, yeah. He li- yeah, yeah. That that's a very good point. Also, at this point, we get to another really, really gruesome but cool scene too, where Rose meets her when it goes into the nightmare version again, and she meets another pretty, pretty messed up creature. Yeah, yeah. This is always the one that when I was a kid, I always found difficult to look at it just uh, this one creeped me out a bit too much and especially later on when we find the context of yeah why this guy was oh yeah yeah done the way that he was done (laughs) so so this is colin and rose encounters him but in a oh god this sounds weird in a bathroom stall where he is completely tied up and suspended and and contorted with barbed wire which of course then afterwards he comes to life and starts trying to chase her yeah so He's pretty messed up looking. <laughs> this is the former janitor of the school named Colin. And also, and also it's, it's worth noting, she starts to find out more about the plot now. She meets a woman named Dahlia, who is a, who, who is a kind of, she, she kind of looks like an old kind of crazy lady, basically. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, maybe a cat lady. Yeah, but she's, she's just guilt, guilt ridden over the loss of her daughter. Alessa, we, we, we start learning about a bit more about Alessa at this point, too. Yeah, and that, I think she's the one that directs Rose to head to the school. That's right. Which is, yeah, where she finds Colin and finds uh, the desk of Alessa where they had the, the witch. Yes. Uh, carved into it in the, the handprints. That's right, yes. I think that's one of the early times that we get that theme pulled in from the game. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a beautiful piece of music. I'm really glad they brought that over. Yeah, oh yeah, the soundtracks for all of the, for this entire series are just out of this world. Yeah, Akira Yamaoka, so well done. If you can find it, if you ever see a copy of this on CD or anything anywhere, pick it up. Any Silent Hill music, it's beautiful. So then, Isaac, any, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I, de- I definitely want to agree with you on that. I think this may, maybe it's because they are like taking a lot from the game itself, but man, oh man, I I agree with you. The I don't think I've ever watched a horror film that has this kind of soundtrack where it has that late nineties, early aughts uh, synthesizers to it. Like I can, I like, I think like some of the Squaresoft games had this as well. Some Capcom games also had this uh, just with like the, 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 I guess the pieces. themselves. so I just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so happy that they brought the, uh, the pieces of music over. It was also well done. I don't know whether they were actual, like they just took, uh the uh tracks from the original or if they like redid the tracks over here now mm-hmm. yeah redid redid okay mm-hmm. well it's a faithful recreation if you ask me yeah it really works for those dramatic moments it really escalates it just like it did in the game because that theme would usually come in during kind of important cut scenes mm-hmm. i think it was only in the second game i'm not sure if they used that in the first one but i can't remember either honestly and the, the flavor of each soundtrack does kind of change with every game, even though they keep some of the same themes. 
Mm. Um, and this, this is also when we start seeing Alessa running around, which looks a lot like Sharon and Rose often mistakes for Sharon until she gets close. And Alessa usually does something terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks like setting herself on fire. I was curious though, with, uh, when we first, uh, when Rose first goes into the classroom with Alyssa's desk, mm. uh, we, we see that, um, what is it? That old, um, what is it? Is it 35 millimeter or whatever, like millimeter camera, uh, film we see of like, you know, flashback. And I'm like, how, my question was, how is Rose experienced this within the film? Or like, is, is it something psychic? Like, is she getting uh, a, a vision in her head of this or, uh, is this for the audience interpretation? Hmm. That's interesting. I'm, I'm going to go back to that scene and, and check because I, f- I feel like she is seeing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it uh, makes you think of Bioshock. Every now and again, you'd walk into a room and then suddenly you would just get like a flash, like a little peek into someone else's memory. Yeah. It's a cool touch. Yeah. I, I can't tell actually. She doesn't have that much for reaction. It's kind of muted. So <laughs> like I, I see, there you go. Is it, is that for the audience interpretation or is that for like uh, Zephyr Rose. Mm. Any thoughts, Johnny? Or like, uh, you, are you just like, it is what it is? A bit of both, I think. Okay. I mean, I mean, it shows Rose what's going on, but also just, I mean, you have to kind of explain to the character and the audience what's going on, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta give the audience something at least, or else it's just like, all right, David Lynch, what are we doing here? Like, there's a lot of story <laughs> here. Yeah, but then when we do get the next yeah, major world change and yeah we see the creepy guy crawl out Colin, and then yeah running down into the the lower levels and we finally get to see those guys in their creepy little i don't know like radiation looking suits even though they wouldn't uh protect from radiation i don't know what those suits are but i'm not sure either but they're i guess they think maybe they're they're saving themselves from when they go out like this it has nothing to do with it but i assumed it had to do with like mining suits oh yeah there you go yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. So that, that's that's right. That's a good tie-in. Because like it's, it's a mining town. A lot of the population is going to be miners, right? Yeah, we get that creepy scene of seeing them getting like devoured by the bugs. Like, yeah. It's making me think of the mummy, actually, a little bit there. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the scarabs, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, and we get the other scene where they... <laughs> so so they, they try and flee into the church when the um, <laughs> when all this happens again. The sirens go off. And then, so I was telling, I was telling my fiance earlier, you know, this would be a, this would be a cool movie for you to watch. Cause it has, you know, there's a, there's a lot of psychology. There's a lot of symbolism. It's, it's a really cool movie, but there are two scenes that are kind of too gory for her. Mm. <laughs> and this is one of them. Oh, which one? Well, the one where they flee into the church and then one of them oh, isn't yes. able to make it <laughs> and they're caught by pyramid head. And well, he does something I did not know you could animate. Yeah, we, we meet this other strange girl. I think her name's Anna. That's right. Yeah, she's like their little in to the town. She brings them to the church. And th- this actress as well, I think, gives some weird deliveries. Mm-hmm. Maybe just the character's a big weirdo and she's getting that across. But yeah, yeah, I was never a particular fan of her. And I like in that moment, that's when we see that. Uh, at least I think that's the first time that we see that Dahlia isn't affected. Because Anna's like throwing rocks at her, like, get away from here. That's right, yeah. Like, we hate you. And yeah, that's when Pyramid Head just appears behind her. Yep. And then, <laughs> well, that's that's a pretty good kill, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was always impre- impressed by that when I was younger, too. How, the, how they managed to do that so convincingly. Yeah, they showed just enough. 
And now we got to the cult, the brethren. And we and we meet Christabella, who is arguably the closest thing to an antagonist we get in this film. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And this is where the movie starts to turn for me. And in my later viewings, you know, as I got older, this is the part of the movie that I'm just a little bit less interested in all this cult stuff. Yeah, I was kind of always just kind of like this is I mean, it. I can kind of see people would do that, but it would be better if this were a side note rather than the entire plot. Yeah, but nonetheless, it was in the game isn't adaptation fair enough it's in here yeah and it, it serves the the story well it it has its its role it just yeah it feels like maybe it was just a little bit over the top the way it was done yeah i do like the the, the witchcraft themes because it ties in with the motherhood and the femininity and the femininity and the yeah yeah it, it ties in really well with that in a way i kind of wouldn't have thought of hmm it's it's kind of it's it, it's it's cool. It just feels it feels unified. Like like, like somebody thought that up and, and deliberately put that there. You know, it's it was a nice touch. Yeah, and the scenes later in the movie when we see the yeah, like Isaac said, like a sixteen millimeter flashback. That uh, the lead Christabella there, I think she has some really fantastic, creepy moments there. Oh, she's she's a yeah, she's a good antagonist. She definitely gives the like like you know the lady from the mist who convinces everyone yeah. at the sacrifice. That's what would happen to that lady. If she, if she led that, that cult for a while. Yeah. And I get the sense that that's what's happened here too. Cause later on in the movie, we see Rose kind of convincing the people like, Oh, you know, this, this is your own hell. And some of them seem like they're wavering. And then she quickly tries to pull them back. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't listen to her. She's a witch. Like she can see her getting scared that her power is uh, loosening up. Yes. And it's also this moment where, Christabella and the brethren are open to helping Rose find her daughter before she sees a picture of Sharon and declares because she has a likeness to Alessa that they're both witches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Sybil, and th- this scene bothers me too. So at this yeah. point, Sybil, the cop, has has exhausted every round in her gun just from monsters. Mm-hmm. And then she she holds off the, the brethren, so... So Rose can find her daughter, her daughter, and then she has them both at gunpoint, and then she pulls the trigger and reveals she has no rounds left and gets captured. And beaten beaten to hell before she's captured. Yeah. Exactly. I've never understood that. Like you like they don't they I'm surprised they even know what a gun is. They've been here for so freaking long, isolated, right? But <laughs> but there's no way they'd be able to know you had like like she should she could have just really held them at bay with an empty gun. Yeah. That always bothered me too. And she almost like smiles, like, huh, I got you. But it's like, oh, no, they, yeah. they got you. Eh. Props to Lori Holden for that, for that, 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 that smirk, that, that delivery. <laughs> but just wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> but I will say right before, uh, right before she tosses Rose into the elevator, we get that scene of her looking at the layout of the, the basement. Yes. With all the numbers and she's memorizing the directions and repeating it to herself. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's, you know, that's. How many times have I been doing that in the games, looking at the map and memorizing it, then trying to find my way around? Yeah, that's a very, <laughs> that was a good touch. Like that was a very aware move. Yeah, I really like that. And it shows, and it makes you really kind of like the protagonist more because you know, they're like, they they have a problem and they, and but you know, they got this. Like they're not like trying to figure it out. They have a system. They have a way of figuring it out. And that's really, it's cool to kind of see that, that confidence, that cool and collectedness. Mm-hmm. Even though she's like you know a mother frantically looking for her daughter, she's she still has her. It reminds me almost of Miss Brisby from Secret of Nim. 
know what I mean? Perfect, perfect analogy. Uh, especially, uh, I love her little like, just I think either when she descends into like the you know the the, the pit or whatever it is. Where she goes, like I can do this. I can do this. I love that little like mantra. Yep. Her, her repeating that like phrase. That was well done. Exactly. Very. Yeah. Exactly. She's she she's not a hero. She's not exceptional. She's just someone who's trying to find her daughter. And that's what was cool about Silent Hill was it wasn't the big action hero. It wasn't the knight. It wasn't the soldier. Well, Homecoming was, but that's not the point. Uh, it, it was the everyman who just kind of <laughs> showed up and just had to fight face their own demons. And that's so relatable and that's so cool. Yeah, one of the things I like about the dynamic they chose to do here with having uh, the Sean Bean there is they're both super caring parents, but she can just see a path that he can how to to help their kid. That's cool. Yeah, that's true. And they set up right from the start that she's willing to do whatever she can to help the kid, even if it's going against her husband and in a way, like almost kidnapping her sort of. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's true. Going on the run. So that's true. Um, yeah. And then so now we get to the basement of the hospital here's where we get our our other big monster reference and it kind of works this time yeah no i agree so the nurse and the nurses if those aren't familiar with the the nurses in silent hill they're freaking terrifying yeah they're they just they're move like contortionists they're everything every movement has like a like 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 you know how how like when you're in high school and someone does like a back crack against the chair and it's that sickening like crunch every (laughs) time they move (laughs) <laughs> is one of those and they react to sound and she has to sneak past him kind of holding her her breath kind of thing that's a very and it kind of makes sense because alessa was in an intensive burn I, for alessa it makes sense for rose i don't really know if it does but yeah like, it's just so damn well done i kind of don't care <laughs> yeah and that's why getting to this point it, it does feel like yeah the monsters are more shaped around her her horrors you know the nurses that you know, maybe shamed her or made her feel like she's disgusting in some way, like they show later. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Colin, the very unpleasant, creepy dude. Yeah, we saw what she did to him. And yeah, again, I don't know about that pyramid head. I don't that one just doesn't seem to fit. But iconography. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And the burning kids, maybe the kids who bullied her potentially. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that, that's something different is it every they real that they do sell that everything here is suffering. Yeah. Very well. And then here's, and then here's also where, where Rose figures out what's really going on with this, with this whole thing is that she finds Alessa who we learn someone else want to give the backstory here. Yeah. We get this, this cool, a very different film style. And we see from her perspective and her narrating about just how, yeah, I guess the townspeople, because Dolly wouldn't tell who the father was, they assumed, oh, you know, maybe maybe she slept with Satan, and this is the Satan spawn child, so she must be a witch. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they kind of, all the kids in the town bully her. Her aunt is kind of the spearheading the, the campaign against her. Mm-hmm. And we see when she tries to escape the bullying, that's when she comes across Colin, who, yeah, abuses her in his way too, which I think they do a good job without making it too too graphically disturbing but it, it definitely is what is well done in that way it is well done because they don't really show anything they just show him kind of seeing her in the bathroom and he just gives that smile that's just creepy enough so you know yeah that's it it's it's well done yeah and this whole little little short film section of the movie i think is really well done all the different kind of camera techniques they use here 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got a bit of a different style. It's very cool. And then this is where we find, yeah. And then we find out that Adalia, the mother tried to save her, her daughter. And that's why she's so distraught and she's so broken. And we find out that, that, that there's two, there's two lasses now. One's, one's a dark one. One's the innocent one. Innocent one being, of course, Sharon, the dark one being well herself. Yeah. But just to highlight some more really creepy moments in that little short film section, I, mm-hmm. I always find it creepy in the bathroom. When uh, Christabella comes in, she's like, see, even the children know, everyone knows. And they keep framing it from Alessa's perspective. Mm-hmm. Just seeing her out of the corner of, uh, like, because the mom's kind of blocking your view of her, so you can only see half her face. And we keep seeing this really creepy eye just staring at her. Mm-hmm. I think that's well done. And then once we see her actually burning on the, what do you even call that when they, like, spin it around on that? <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. That was, it's it's definitely, it, it looks medieval, you know? Yep. Yeah, all that stuff, very horrific. Uh, what, what were you thinking about some of that stuff, Isaac? Um, pretty haunting, and of course, you know, tapping into the whole, like, is Christianity actually a good religion? <laughs> are they actually morally justifiable? Um, two things reminded me of, uh, this is like probably games, or the, yeah, two game series reminded me of this that probably took, you know, inspiration from Silent Hill and other, mm-hmm. like, horror films. I was thinking of... Uh, prototype with the fact that in prototype there's that whole like uh, backstory with Elizabeth Green and how she became like the mother of black white and the, the virus basically and how she like was you know how they experimented on her with this like you know virus and how she didn't age and she like turned the town into like a hellhole or anything like that and she's really like I just that reminded me of that and I also was thinking oh. of Alma from uh, the game Fear if everybody remembers that game oh yeah uh, and how like you know how nuts that one also got which i'm i'm pretty sure that was like i don't know if was it was it made by americans but it was it was whoever's version it was it was basically their version of silent hill but with action uh instead yeah i was meant to play that that game looked awesome cool idea but as for like what i thought though of of this entire thing yeah like shot well it was well done um the twist i guess that Elsa is you know she has like a good side which is what um oh what's her face's name yeah, sharon uh, sharon thank you it's, it, that's sharon and then like Elsa's still like her i guess bad side yes and here's where we get interesting plot point where sharon rose makes basically makes a deal with kind of the devil here and allows dark Alessa to to you know dwell in her body and access the church while sharon is captured by the brethren it's a revenge plan, yeah. Yeah, and this this is some of the stuff that begins to lose me a little bit. Like, yeah, is is the because we see there's a three lesses. There's like the yeah the one who's more neutral but just filled with revenge. Then the pure evil, I guess, not really her. This yeah, maybe it is the devil. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, somehow they split apart her good side, but it took them like twenty years because I, I think they say that it's been thirty years. I think yeah, it was back in the seventies. And this movie is in 2006, so if if time periods are accurate, then it's been more than 30 years, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of weird that, that Sharon's only maybe like 10 years old, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, that stuff I start to get confused on, and... Yeah, it's... I mean, you can kind of fill in some of the blanks and just be kind of like, maybe she just kept the same age from that happening, maybe. But, you know, there's nothing that's really... I don't recall anything standing out as explaining just how... It's kind of loosely yeah. like, oh, th- this happened because of rage. And well, I mean, the entirety of the grudge happened because of vengeance, because of rage. So, yeah, 
you know, I don't really know, but yeah, that's stuff I can buy. It's consistent with J with, with Japanese horror, which Silent Hill is. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah. And I guess just to, to fill out the, the Sean Bean side of the plot too. Yes. Yes. It was also during this explanation because we've seen him escalating in more ways to try to get answers, even though the cops are like, Hey, stay out of this. This isn't your business. He's breaking into records places. He's harassing the nuns that were responsible for their, uh, adoption he's like breaking in there in the middle of the night too so we see that yeah even though he was against taking their daughter to sound till he's still just as willing to you know take some darker turns to try to get answers for what's going on with his kid so i like that Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool that's a very it's it's cool they're they're both kind of doing their own thing to get answers yeah that's kind of cool and then now we get to the the closing well the, the finale of the film here so Rose gets back to the church and we see some witch burnings take place. Well, oh, boy. Ah, uh, witch burning. And I want to call one very specific detail to attention that I didn't notice the first couple times. So mm. we see two people who are kind of planned to be burned, burned as witches, one being Sharon and one being the cop, Sybil. And yep. Sybil actually does get burned, which is fucking well done, creepy, you know. Oof. And interesting thing is when when she hits the flame she says she's she has one line she says one thing do you guys remember what it was i cannot but i know she's i know like i remember she does say something but i forget what it was what was that what was what was that phrase she said mother was it mama or or mama yeah or mama yeah yeah that's I, I'm, I'm gonna call attention to that in a bit because that's a that's a very interesting point i don't know if it's around this time of the film or before it where someone says the phrase mother is god in the eyes of a child yeah, which ties into a lot of what they were trying to do with this film. So is I think that was a really subtle. You could have very easily missed it. Little, little hit, like a little hint of what they're going for. Yeah, that line always stood out for me as well, and that that whole sequence stood out for me. I thought that the the way that they burned her face without it starting on fire, just the skin splitting and charring. I think all that stuff's really well done. Yeah, they know how to really. They, they they knew when to hold the gore and just give it in this movie. I'll say that much. And we'll see a very, we see a couple of very good gory moments, moments coming up too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get to some of that stuff. Oh yes, we will. <laughs> so yeah, Rose confronts Christabella and then Christabella, of course, gets stabbed. I, I, mean, I mean, sorry, Rose gets stabbed in the heart. Yeah. Cause she, she can see that the the congregation is starting to. They're not buying the the line one hundred percent. Maybe they're buying it like ninety percent now, and that's that's scary for her. Maybe some of them are realizing, like, hey, didn't hey, didn't like the last time we burned a kid, a lot of really terrible shit happened for the last thir- for the next thirty years. <laughs> yeah, and Rose starts saying like, oh, you know, I come from a world that's nothing like this. You're you're living in your own hell that you created here by doing this and. Yeah, they're starting to be like, what? Like, what's going on? There's technology out there. Uh, so maybe look at her cell phone. Like, what the hell's that tied around her chest? Yeah. And then, of course, and then, and then Christabella just kind of goes, shut up, bitch, and stabs her. Yeah. She was aiming for the phone, but she missed. <laughs> no 5G. <laughs> no 6G. <laughs> and this this is a cool moment. This feels like an anime moment. It, it does, actually. That's, that's, that's a good comparison. Yeah. The, the the wound starts bleeding out this thick black kind of evil looking looking gunk mm-hmm. and yeah that's the because we saw 
right before she went to the church, Alessa went and hugged her and like mm. melted this inside of her. So now she she pours that into the ground and then the ground starts becoming black and just like it does when the siren sounds. Mm-hmm. Allowing her into the church for the first time because Alessa before wasn't able to reach the followers, the followers in the church, but now she is able to and she gets to have her revenge. <laughs> yeah, and that is another slight wrinkle that I don't fully get. They, she says that, oh, their faith keeps me out of that church there. And I was always like, ah, but why? But again, maybe I'm not supposed to ask these questions. Maybe, maybe just accept it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sh- I never really got that either. But I don't know. It, it just kind of, I can just, in this world, you kind of go, okay, maybe that's the logic. I don't know. Like, I do, I do yeah. think in certain universes, in certain films, fantasy worlds kind of have their own logic sometimes. Yeah. And I, I can kind of see that, maybe. Yeah, I I feel like a, like a couple lines could help smoothen some of the details out in this movie to make it feel a little bit more well-rounded. Agreed, yeah. And I, f- I feel like some of those, those are some of the reasons why a lot of people do kind of turn this movie in, in the modern age. They, they feel like it doesn't really hold together. I, I feel like it holds together mostly well. I agree. I agree. It doesn't... It could have been more specific. The dialogue could have been more concise. It could have been more, well, sharper. It could have explained things. It could have been more clear. Absolutely. But overall, it gets the job done. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess to turn it over to you, Isaac, considering you're coming to this year for your first time, did, did any of these these questions come to your mind? Did you have any issues with how this was, was coming out in the climax? I guess I accepted it as a matter of fact. Like, yeah, they didn't say anything about how the church is like, on holy ground uh it's hallowed ground so they, they like consecrated it they like put protective <laughs> barriers around it they obviously didn't need to say yeah. that or anything like that i mean maybe it was the symbol maybe um a list like because they, they they kept throughout the town they made mention to this cross this this symbol of the town itself uh this really weird like almost celtic looking cross but it's not a real cross it's weird and maybe that symbol uh Alyssa fears mentally in a way like uh, to, to, to her psyche it just is something that gives her bad vibes so even like no matter how evil she is she just dare not step near that like symbol potentially so like she's just is like I can't go in there unless somebody brings me in there it also reminds me kind of, of a vampire you know having to be invited yeah exactly traditionally uh, I'll be I don't think Rose invited herself she kind of well she invited herself not was invited <laughs> Well, it's interesting. One could also draw a parallel with pregnancy, too, with how she gets Alessa into the church, right? She gets pregnant. She gives birth, basically, in the church. <laughs> and, there's, and there's a baptism in blood. <laughs> lots and lots of blood. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, not that much. Uh, to be fair, like, okay, like, uh, from, coming from where I'm coming from, I'm like, okay, this is pretty tame. Like the the ending with like everything, I'll I'll say was pretty tame. Are uh, you sure about that, Isaac? Yeah, I don't I don't know where this. Where, what what do you? I don't know. I don't see why you consider this tame. Yeah. What do you consider intense then? Like what? Like what's what's hardcore to you then? I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. Oh no, not this again. <laughs> I I don't believe you've watched a single minute of hentai. I never have, but I'm just saying though. <laughs> I know it. The the point is though is that there's a scene. I was very like when. Uh, Alyssa rises up from the mine itself, from the yes. uh, from the, the ashes of the mine. She comes up and she creates all like she brings with her. It's like her burnt body on like the uh, the gurney, and she brings up a bunch of barbed wire. 
Um, and she starts like wrapping it around like all those who did wrong to her, uh, basically getting like revenge on everybody. So it becomes a revenge film right at that point. But there's this, <laughs> there's this movie called X 1999. And uh, there's a similar scene where this like woman is wrapped on a cross with like barbed wire and as soon as it's plucked her, like her, she gets beheaded and it's pretty graphic. So I'm like, yeah, that one's even though like, you know, the, um, the, 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 the head nun or whatever her name is, the, the villain, she gets her, Chris, Bell. By, Chris Bell. Thank you. She gets her comeuppance by getting like ripped in half. I'm like, they could have gone gorier than that. Uh, well, I mean, it's going, I mean, it's more than it's got the perversion of the fact that it's uh, kind of a, a sexual violation as well. Well, yeah, I, I forgot about that, where, like, yeah. the, the, the barbed wire goes up there. But I guess I didn't really pay attention to that. And the blood's all spraying out as it's... <laughs> well... <laughs> yeah, I don't... I I mean, like, you can always... Is it the goriest thing ever? Well, no. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think it really needs to be. It just kind of... it's It can be brutal without being gory. That's It was brutal. Yeah, that's more the, that, that's more the point. I mean... I mean, like, I'm not really that impressed when a movie, like, any movie can just shower blood on the screen. The Evil Dead is a very good job of that, and it makes it hilarious, of course. But it's more just, like, it's how it's done, and I think it's done, well, it's, I mean, it's brutal. <laughs> it does, oh, it is. It feels, it feels like revenge. It feels like, it's not gratuitous, it just feels like like a, a bloody vengeance. It's symbolic, in a way. And I, I do like how the Dark Alessa kid is just, like, dancing around in the blood as it falls. That's kind of it's very kid like <laughs> yeah in particular the blood of christabella as she's getting that that barbed wire violation yeah so yeah that's uh, that was always a bit much for me i was like eh. i mean it could be symbolic of what colin did to Alyssa potentially so now she's showing uh clarissa like what or not what her name is uh christabella, christabella thank you uh now she's like putting onto the pain that she felt from colin uh, that's that's my interpretation could be could yeah. be yeah yeah, you could read into that for sure. For sure. Um, I will say that this climax was always a bit, just a little bit odd to me. Um, I think the, I like all the violence, but at the same time, I feel like the, the CGI barbed wire doesn't hold up super great. It's almost like there was too much information for them to contend with. Um, and then, hmm. yeah, I don't know. There's, especially once we get past this climax and get to the real ending, I was always left baffled, but Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very, yeah, I, I do agree with with the barbed wire. It's very, it's very busy. Yes. Legend of the Overfiend. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I think, I think, I think you probably could have done that with half as many wires, truth be told. And still, mm. depending on how you do it, could have made this arguably just as, like just as good, only it would be less cluttered. If you wanted to go the barbed wire angle. I also don't, don't know why, like why in particular is her weapon of choice the barbed wire? tangible people see it they immediately know like oh i can cut you pretty badly that i can like tear your skin in half no i mean like like i mean maybe i'm reading into it a bit too much like symbolically with alessa's past wouldn't like fire have kind of made more sense that's true especially because uh when rose stands up and uh, alessa rises behind her she's standing right in front of a huge mural of a witch being burned and the fire is kind of right around rose so yeah if she came up yeah just flaming these folks out it may have been more thematically satisfying but then we couldn't have had all this blood everywhere so <laughs> or if the barbed wire was on fire 
<laughs> now that's Ghost Rider stuff. Let's go. There you go. I mean, that that would have been so over the top hilarious. I would have loved <laughs> it, but I digress. Um, and then of course Rose and Sharon take shelter while this absolute hellstorm is happening. Yeah, it, it reminded me of Raiders of the Lost Ark and the ending once the Ark is opened. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they they, they kind of close their eyes and hide. Yeah, yeah, I can yep. see that. Well, except for uh, except for uh, Sharon though. She yes. Uh, what happens there? She opens her eye. And sees herself. Yeah. A bloodied, yeah, demon version of herself who gives her a little smile. And yeah, that's when things get weird. That's when, yeah, David Lynch, well, not quite David Lynch, but <laughs> an attempt <laughs> at David Lynch starts to creep into the movie a little bit more. Yep. And then we and we get no satisfaction to that ever, especially not in Revelations. Um, <laughs> then the end, of, the end of the movie, uh, after that whole thing, the morning afterwards when they, when they walk out, they meet... They meet Dahlia, who is the only survivor, which makes sense. She's she's Alessa's mother. Yeah, and we get a repeat of that line of the yeah, mother is God in the eyes of a child. I can't remember who said that first. Me either. Me either. Do you remember Isaac? Uh, it was uttered by somebody either in the church or it was was it Dahlia? Actually, it may have been Sybil. I think maybe Sybil said it. I think she did. She had to be quoting it from somewhere, though. I feel like she saw it somewhere. Maybe she did say that. I don't know. I, I feel like she had to get it from somewhere. Yeah. And so in any case, Rose and Sharon leave the town. They drive home still through the fog. Well, after a very creepy look right after Rose says that to Dahlia. Yeah. Sharon just stares at her with this evil look ever since she woke up. They keep focusing on her eyes and she, yeah, she has this different air to her. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. It is. <laughs> but I do love the return home, especially the image of they're coming right across the uh, the bridge that we know is destroyed. And we can still see that it's destroyed until right when they're going to reach it. And it's like the fog clears. And I think that's a great effect. Oh, yeah. The fog's great in this in this film right up to the very end because, it, because they get home and there's still it's still fog. Yeah. Which is interesting. Even though we keep cutting to, like, she calls Sean Bean, like, oh, we're heading home. And we get, again, that warm color tone, and he's all like, what's going on? And because he can't hear it, it's just like radio static, just like in the game again. Whenever the, the monsters are coming around, you'd hear that static on your radio. Right, yes. And then he he gets home, falls asleep on the couch, and then when he wakes up, the door is mysteriously opened. Yeah, because once again, he almost feels their presence as they come and sit on the couch right, a, right across from him. And she's just staring at him, Rose, as if she can see him. Yeah, it's when I was a kid, um, I was always interested in surrealist movies, even though I didn't have a ton of experience. And I always thought that this ending was like full of cryptic messages that I just one day could crack. And sometimes I would just watch that just the ending just to be like, OK, maybe I can catch it this time. Mm -hmm. And I probably watched this movie from 2007 to 2015, maybe. I don't know, like like 20 times, I just kept watching it because I was like, I know that there's something here that I'm missing, some sort of piece to the puzzle. But now I'm just, I, I think I was wrong. I think I was giving it a little bit more credit than this ending deserves, but... Yeah, I think it's trying to set up the next movie. Yeah, yeah it could, could be. In what way, I do not know for the life of me, but that's, that's kind of the vibe I got. It's, it's, it, felt like, it felt more like a sequel bait than anything else. And it was always the thing that always told me that I was like, oh, I, I clearly I'm missing something is the scene where Sean Bean runs to the door at the end. He looks out and the camera just slowly glides off to these trees that are rains going on the trees. And we 
we spend like, I don't know, like 15 seconds just looking at them for the it finally cuts away to black. Mm. And I was always like, oh, there, there must be some hidden message in these trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's the trees. <laughs> no, we're not doing that again. No, we're not. Not, not that. Not that again. We already did that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was Silent Hill, the movie. Isaac, you want to open us up with uh, your closing thoughts? Um. Well, I mean, I I personally did enjoy the ending, though. Uh, I I think it is a David Lynch thing where it is up to your interpretation as to whether or not, like, I th- I think it's subjective. I think ultimately you make the the ending up yourself and interpret like did both of them die when uh, going to Silent Hill, or because I re- that was my conclusion of like either Rose and the daughter are dead or Sean Bean has died somehow. But he's still in reality. That was, that was that was the interpretation I was left with. Hmm. Well, it's interesting to note that Silent Hill games are actually notorious for having multiple endings. Hmm. So that's that's potentially why they couldn't really make a definitive statement with an ending on this film because, well, the first one has well multiple endings, and if you weren't really if you didn't like play the whole franchise and really know the flow of the games, you kind of wouldn't really know which one's the canon one. So I can kind of I can kind of see maybe they, they they just didn't really know how to end it and just kind of try to end with something open ended to set the next movie up. Yeah, it's a weird way to set up a sequel. I uh, I guess it's almost like oh the the demon Alessa still thrives in this this Sharon now maybe because we also get that shot when Rose is sitting on the couch we just see Sharon start walking and looking right into the camera with this kind of mischievous look. That's right. Yes. But I guess for, for my final thoughts, I'll say, uh, yeah, I, I used to love this movie, and I think I still like it. I think it definitely has a lot of big, strong suits. Um, the visuals especially, the way it captures the vibe of the games, I think all that stuff is very uh, well done. And it's among the, the top tier of the video game-based movies. This one, you could tell, had some passion behind it. It had a real writer and director, Roger Avery, one of uh, Quentin Tarantino's frequent collaborators, Oscar winner. Yeah, he's a great writer. And Christoph Gans, I think, was a great fit for this this series. And it's too bad he didn't come back for the sequel. But I don't know if you guys know, but he's actually currently filming a third uh, Silent Hill film right now. So I did not know that. That's kind of cool. I did know that. Yes, that's kind of exciting. Bring back uh, a real filmmaker. Sure. And not whatever the hell revelation is. Yeah, which we'll get to. (laughs) So in any case, um, I, I very much agree with you, Caleb. This is a very, this is definitely one of the better, especially one of the better horror video game mm, yeah. adaptations. Because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of passion in here. There's a lot of and while while they maybe not did, didn't didn't get it exactly, damn it, they fucking tried. Yeah, they they genuinely gave a shit about the source material. They they really cared about trying to. Well, they they got the atmosphere. They got the overall kind of story. You can kind of see they got a lot of the right feels. Um, not exactly, of course, and maybe and maybe they they didn't a hundred percent understand the source material, but at the same time, damn it, it's vis- visually they nailed it. Yeah, yeah, it's a very close approximation. I think if you were a video game producer and you're like, I want a great advertisement for my game, I think that you couldn't get much better than this. This was would definitely every time I watch it, I just want to sit down and play some Silent Hill. Agreed. It's very, it's very, um, it's definitely a journey. It's fun to go on. Yeah, and you, Isaac. Yeah, I think I'm with I'm with you guys. I'm I'm really feeling this, and I think in our you know quest to review, 
and or talk about, discuss, commentate, whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> like most of the video game movies that are available to us, I think this is a hit. I think uh, I, I would highly recommend this to uh, for anybody who's not just a fan of video games, but a, a just you know a, a, a movie goer. I think this has enough character to it. I think it leaves a lot to uh, leave you with, uh, which is good. And I think it'll definitely make you want to come back and rewatch it again at some point. So I can't really, there was passion in this. You're right. There was, you know, thought and care to it. And there was um, a sense of respect for the original. So like, you know, there was a few adaptations that some of us may not agree with, but at the end of the day, I think we're pretty much okay with, with this. And uh, I would definitely like, you know, give, yeah, give this a high recommendation and we'll watch this again later in the future. Especially with the untimely, untimely death of the franchise, this is this is a cool reminder that it kind of it did at least get a good movie adaptation, and not many franchises yeah. can say that. No, definitely not. I know Resident Evil can't. Yeah, <laughs> it does seem like they're they took a long break. It was like the franchise went to sleep, and with the announce of the new film and the new uh, uh, remake of of Silent Hill Two. Yeah, I don't know. It, it does seem like maybe they're going to make another push again to try to revive this franchise, which would be great to see if we get good stuff, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always the question, though. Yeah. And returning to Christoph Gans, I feel like is yeah putting it in safe hands. So some I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get another quality entry. Yeah, even if it's even if it's just like just like this one, it's not it's, it's not perfect, but it's just like this one. I'm OK with that. I'd be happy to watch this any any day. So, yeah. But yeah, I feel like that's that comes to the end of our our conversation here. Thank you, Johnny, for uh, yeah pushing us to get to this one now. And of course, as as always, thanks for having me on. Yeah, and Isaac, I I feel like yeah, do you got anything prepared for us tonight for your little your little exit uh, a riddle or a haiku or something? This will be good. Well, I can't I can't think of a limerick or a simile or a haiku, <laughs> but I can at least leave the audience with this: Which would you rather be in, Raccoon City or Silent Hill? Until next time, peace. Oh, just just to answer, I would say Raccoon City. I yeah, Sound Hill is too creepy for me. And I, when I, when I say resident, when I say uh, Raccoon City, I do mean the video game version. Cause I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Paul W.S. Anderson's resident e- or R- R- Raccoon City, excuse me, is a lot more fun where it's like, it's more, you know, like a looter shooter or something like that, where you're just here there to have fun. Hey, at least I know I'm getting zombies and maybe some weird mutated creatures, the stuff in the Silent Hill games. Yeah. I've, t- oof. Yeah. That's, that's, but you can also take down most of it with a two by four with, with a nail through it. That's true. That's true. That's <laughs> true. It just looks scary. But then they'll fall on the ground and crawl away. <laughs> Come back for you later. Crawlers everywhere. Yeah. Well, well, they're the inside of your psyche. You gotta be able to face your own demons, right? There you go. Yeah. So just for you, Johnny, when oh, you God. say that Silent Hill is, is dead, I mean, you're, you are right. It probably has been dead for a while. Until last year when Konami announced, I think it was at E3, uh, that they are coming out with an interactive streaming series called silent hill ascension a new uh-huh. video game called uh silent hill townfall that's right townfall and then another oh. one called silent hill f like fortissimo 
and then obviously the remake hmm. of Silent Hill 2 and then the movie version or this this new movie Caleb was referring to called Return to Silent Hill. Oh, I didn't know hmm. about those other games. Wow. It is clearly dead. Oh, they're making a big push. Hmm. So I will say that knowing Konami's history, I will believe it when I see it. Of course, <laughs> you have every right to say that. That's, that. That is my only comment on that entire thing. Of course, if that's all true, I, I'm looking forward to it. But once again, Konami have shown they that they their care of this franchise is <laughs> questionable to say the least. So I'll believe it when I see it. Well, at least the the they put out a trailer for Sound Hill Two. That's They've got a release date for that, and they're currently filming. Remake. Yeah, the remake, obviously. <laughs> and they're currently filming the new movie, so at least we know those two are happening. But yeah, the rest, yeah, who can tell? Yeah, certainly not I. The only thing that uh, prevents you and I, Johnny, from you know like fully uh, dissociating ourselves with Konami is the fact that they have our souls. Oh, God. Here we go. In a millennium puzzle. Yep. So it would seem. Yep. So it would seem. 